Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. We love the Lord. We love serving you. We love surrendering you, Lord. We open our hearts to you and to your word right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. A question that I often put to people, uh, especially younger people, and most of you are younger than we are, is where are you going to be 10 years from now? Spiritually, spiritually, where are you going to be 10 years from now? Where are you going to be spiritually 20 years from now? Or if, if you're young, 50 years, 50 years from now, 50 years is a long time. 50 years from now, where you, are you still going to be on fire for God? Are you still going to be serving God? Are you still going to be growing in God? Are you still going to be in a church somewhere serving God? It's a decision you know, that we have to make early in life. At any point in our life, we can make it, but you've got to make that decision. You know, the Bible, the Bible has, has a lot of warnings against uh, things like drifting away, uh, being ensnared by sin, about falling into sin, you know, about missing out on, on God's blessings through unbelief. Uh, actually, it, it even, even talks about the, you can lose your salvation. You know, the Bible says, we've, we've talked about this recently, but in Matthew 24, Jesus talks about the end times. And the end times are going to be, there's going to be difficult times. And I'm not, a, I'm not preaching doom and gloom, but I, at the other, the other side of that is we have to understand that Jesus said, the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more difficult times are going to come, you know. The Apostle Paul wrote that to Timothy. He said, be sure of this, perilous, in the end days, perilous times will come. They're going to come, and they're gonna, we're going to have to live. We're living through some of the things that are happening now. But this is what Jesus said in Matthew 24. I just want to begin reading in, uh, in verse 3. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that's not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. In other words, as, as, the, as the return of the Lord gets closer, it's like birth pangs. They, they come more frequently and they come harder. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he 
will be saved. It takes endurance to make it to the end because of what's coming on the earth. We're going to have to just be determined. I am not going to walk away from God. I'm going to make it to the end in Jesus' name. You know, the Christian life is not always easy. You know, in my own mind right now, I'm fighting myself. This sounds like a negative message. I don't mean for it to be a negative message, but just it's it's a fact. The Christian life is not always easy. You know, it's, the devil throws stuff at you, all he can to trip you up. You know, discouragement, disappointment, setbacks, you know, pressure to give up. Knowing God is the greatest thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up knowing God for anything. It's the best thing that could happen to any one of us. Eternity in his presence is, and, and living in his glory is worth whatever you have to go through on this earth. But we've seen in our years in ministry... We've seen a lot of people start, but not everyone finishes. You know, it's, it's easy to start. It's easy to start a marriage. It's easy to start a business. It's easy to start school. Not everyone graduates. I remember, I remember the, first day, the, the first day we were in, I was in pilot training. They gathered everybody together in this big auditorium, and some guy stood up and he said, look to your left and look to your right. He said, by the time you leave here, a year from now, and it took, it took, it was, we call it the year of 53 weeks. It took 53 weeks to get through poetry. He says, by the time you leave, about a th- one of those people will be gone. In other words, a third of the people aren't going to make it. And he was, he was just almost exactly right on. I think we started, my class started with 150. We graduated 95, something like that. So about a third of them didn't make it. Not everyone that starts makes it. You, your intentions are right. Your intentions are good. But things happen along the way. If you're going to make it to the end, it's a decision we have to. We have to make up our minds. You know, you have to just kind of settle it once and for all. I am not turning back. You know, I think of that song, I have decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You have to burn your bridges behind you, they might say. No room for plan B. I mean, no, there's no, I'm not making a way for me to plan, to fail. I'm just going on. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep, I can't turn around. There's, there's no other plan but to serve God and to walk with God. Hallelujah. In Luke, towards me to Luke. Now, I'm sure most of us in this room have made this decision. So maybe I'm preaching this to somebody who's watching. I don't know. But, uh, but it's a decision we have to make. Luke chapter 17. In verse 26, Jesus again, this is Luke's, Jesus in Luke's gospel speaking of the end times. And he says, and just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was just like what happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting and they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same way on the day of the of the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, the one who's on the housetop and whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out. And likewise, the one who's in the field must not turn back. And then he says these three important words. Remember 
Lot's wife. Remembering Lot's wife takes us back to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the story. God called Abraham out of a city called Ur in the Chaldees. He goes to the land of Canaan. But his nephew Lot followed him. I don't know what the Bible said. Jesus, I mean, God told Abram to leave your relatives, but this guy Lot, who's his nephew, Lot went with him. And they end up in the land of Canaan after some time. And God blesses them, and God prospers them, and their flocks begin to grow. And there becomes conflict between the herdsmen of Abram and the herdsmen of Lot, fighting over water and grass, I guess, or whatever. But they're just not enough. So they said, you know what, we need to separate. We've become too too big for each other. We need to separate. And Abram said to Abraham said to Lot, you choose. Choose where you want to go. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And the Bible says that Lot looked at the valley of Jordan. It was well watered. It would look good for grazing. So he went down there. But that's where Sodom and Gomorrah was. And I thought, you know, sometimes the grass looks green, but it's not. Sometimes there's things that are appealing to us. We say, boy, that looks good. I'll go that way. But you've got to get it in the spirit. If he's in the spirit, he should have seen. No, that's, that looks good down there, but it's bad. It's full of sin. It's, it's a rotten place. In the, in the natural, it looks good, but it's going to be bad for me. Hallelujah. But anyway, he goes. And in Genesis chapter 18, God comes to Abram, or Abraham, he's Abram, and he, again, he promises him a son. God appears to, all of a sudden, Abraham just sitting around minding his own business, and all of a sudden, three men appear. One of them is the Lord, coming as a man, and the other two are angels, coming as men. So it's what they call a theophany. It's like God coming to somebody as in the person of a man. So they come to Abram, and they said, you know, God is going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, because the outcry has become so great. It says this, and the Lord said in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 20, and the Lord said, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now to see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. God says he's going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah because the outcry has is, is gone up to him. You know, there's some things we have to understand. When we're living a certain lifestyle, God sees. And even though no one else sees, even though no one else may know what's going on, God is watching. And my life, the life that I'm living cries out in the realm of the spirit. If I'm living a negative life, it cries out for God's judgment. If I'm living, a, if I'm living right, it cries out for God's blessing. You know the story in Genesis chapter 4, you don't have to go there, where Cain kills Abel, and God comes down, and this, this is what God says to him. He says, uh, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. In other words, it doesn't matter whether anybody saw what you did. I saw what you did. And your brother's blood cries out for judgment. In other words, judgment is coming upon you because of, you, because of what you've done. And in the other side of that, in the, you might say in the positive side, in Acts chapter 10, when the angel appeared to Cornelius and told him to go get Peter, he, the angel said to him, your, your, uh, your prayers and your alms have ascended 
as an offering, as a, as a sacrifice offering to God. In other words, because of the life you've been living, giving alms and praying to God and serving God the best you know how, that's crying out for God to bless you. So, you know, don't ever, don't ever think that God doesn't see what you're doing. God sees. He sees the negative and he sees the positive. He sees the bad and he sees the good. And when you're living for God, I'm telling you, blessings will come. We've seen it over and over and over in the lives of those people, in the lives of people that have turned their lives around and started just start walking with God. It may not change overnight. It may not change the first week or the first few months, but you just keep walking with God. I'm telling you, your life cries out for God to bless you, and he'll end up blessing you in Jesus' name. He will because he's a God of faithfulness and truth. Hallelujah. So Sodom and Gomorrah's sin cried out for judgment. And then in Genesis chapter 19, it talks about the angels who went to Sodom. The Lord stayed with Abram. Abram starts praying and asking God about judging for a certain number of people. But the angels go down to Sodom, and they were going to stay in the city square, which was the custom of the day. But Lot brings them in. And when he's in Lot's house, roaming bands, roaming bands of homosexuals come to attack him. And the angels strike the attackers with blindness. And then it says this in verse 13. Because their outcry has become so great before the Lord, he has sent us to destroy it. So the angel tells Lot, we're going to destroy it. And here's, here's an amazing scripture to me. Listen. The next morning, when morning dawned, this is, a, this is the day that God is going to judge. The angels are staying in Lot's house, and they're telling him what's going to happen. But listen, this is how crazy Lot was. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Take up your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away in the punishment of the city. But you know what the Bible says? But he hesitated. It's like, what is your problem? You know, God's coming. These, these angels that are in the form of men, you know they're supernatural because just the night before, they blinded this whole bunch of guys that were trying to attack you. You know they're supernatural, and they're telling you to leave, and, you, and you're dragging your feet. What is your problem? I'll tell you, this guy was a mess. And so the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters for the compassion of the Lord was upon him and they brought him out and put him outside the city. And when they had gone outside, they, the angel said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. And, you know, I thought it, it just uh, in the middle of that warning, he says, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you. But he doesn't make an exceptional point of it. You know, I was thinking, he doesn't say, listen, I'm telling you, don't look behind you. You hear me? I'm, you hear me? Do you listening? I'm saying don't look behind you. You got it? Yeah, I got it. I say it. Don't look behind Say it again. I want, say it. Say I promise not to look. You know, they didn't make that kind of a point. They just said don't look behind you. And they left. And so he leaves. And he's fleeing. And you know what happened. His wife looked behind him, and what happened? She turned into a pillar of salt. I lost my notes. Oh, Lot's wife looked back, and she became, I had to find myself my notes, and she became a pillar of salt. Lot never looked back to see what happened to his wife. You know, Sometimes, in some relationships, if somebody wants to go on with God and the other one doesn't, 
there are times where someone has to just kind of let it be and go on. I know two, two people, Norval Hayes for one, in his first marriage, and Rick Godwin, a pastor in Texas, testified. Rick Godwin said, you know, I was, my wife and I, we were married, and we were in a, we were in, I was in a rock and roll band. It was like wild, crazy, you know, drugs, sex, music, just going on. And when I found God, he said, that all changed. But my wife said, no, I'm not going, I don't want this, I don't want it. So they separated, but he had to leave her. He had to choose between God and his wife. And it seems like Lot had to choose between God and his wife. And he chose to keep going. Hallelujah. So he did, he had to, you know, sometimes when you come to God, you have to go on. Jesus said no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. You know, we don't know much about Lot's wife. We don't even know her name. We just what happened to her when she looked back. Because looking back signifies, it shows where your heart is. It shows your heart is back in the, in the world, back of the things, the, uh, the old lifestyle, the things you used to do. You know, whenever we make a decision, we by, uh, by default, you might say, we don't make a decision for the other thing. In other words, if I, if I choose one thing, then by default, I'm not choosing the other. If I choose A, then by that means that I'm not choosing B. If I choose B, that means that I'm not choosing A. So choosing one thing excludes, makes a choice for the other. And to look back to what God said to walk away from, yeah, you can't do it. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. Sometimes you have to lose something to gain something. Sometimes you have to walk away, not all the time, but sometimes you have to walk away from old friends, from old places where you used to hang around, from old ways of doing things, from old lifestyles. Sometimes you need to walk away from the past in order to go on with God. You know, I was thinking of that song. You know, uh, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. You got to know when to walk away. You got to know when to run. Sometimes it's the wisest thing you can do is say, no, I know that's the way it used to be. That's the lifestyle that might even be pulling on me. But I'm walking away from it. I'm not going there. You know what Paul wrote to the Philippians and said, forgetting those things that lie behind. In Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, it's talking about uh, whether you want Jesus or whether you want, whether you want God or whether his judgment is going to come. And... Uh, I'll just pick it up in verse 35. It says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. It's talking about people that had to go through some things in their life. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who, come, he who is coming will come and will not delay but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not. But, here's, but he said, if, if we shrink back from what God has called us to, he's, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those. That's what he's making. He's telling him, no, that's not us. We are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. The Israelites, it was the problem with the Israelites. They kept looking back to Egypt. 
They kept saying, oh, we remember. You know, every time things got hard for them in the wilderness. We remember the leeks, the cucumbers, the melons, the onions. You know, they, they forgot that just a short while ago they were crying out to God for deliverance. But when things got hard, it's like their heart kept going back. They kept wanting to go back. It's the wrong thing. It's the wrong choice. We've got to keep going on with God. No matter, if we, if it, no matter what the wilderness has taken us through, we have to keep going on with God. If we look back, we're not fit for the kingdom. The apostle Peter wrote in Second Peter that uh, after, after having escaped the defilements of the world, if we go back, he said we're like a dog that returns to his vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallow in the mire. Jesus said, in the last days, there'll be a great falling away. And Paul wrote, the, in 2 Thessalonians, the apostle Paul wrote, that there's going to be an apostasy in the last days, a great falling away. The enemy's going to throw everything at us to get us to quit and fall away. So we have to make up our minds. No matter how long the journey, no matter how difficult, no matter how many unanswered questions I have, no matter how many things I don't understand or can't explain, I'm never going to give in. I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to turn back. I will never stop serving the Lord. It's a decision. You've got to make that decision. You might get to anchor that in yourself. I am never going to stop serving the Lord. I will always walk with God. I will never, I will always remember Lot's wife. When we come to the end of our lives, I, can I interject just a personal testimony here for just a little bit? We had a church that we started in 1983 in the Capitol Theater. We were there for five years. We merged with another church. We lost everything. And I said, you know, I said, I'm not doing this. I said to my wife, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm through with it. And I went to work in the world. I got a, actually, I got a job as a manager at a friendly ice cream. How's that? And I did that for about, what, two years? And after two years, I came to my wife and I, I felt like I was dying. I, I wasn't dying physically, but inside, I'm telling you, I was dying. I was, it's like I was just dying. And I said to her, I can't do this anymore. We've got to go back in ministry. You know, I took this time. God allowed us to be, God allowed me to be separated from ministry for a couple of years so that I would settle it in my heart once for all. This, this is what God has called us to do, and I can't do anything else. You know, I'm serious when I say this. Inside of me, I feel totally, totally incompetent to do anything else in the world but this. This is the only thing I feel like I can do because what God's called me to do. You know, you can't. I've struggled for a long time wanting to quit, just wanting to get discouraged and wanting to quit, getting discouraged and wanting to quit. And God had to bring me to that place where I said, you know what? I don't care if we never have a place of our own. We were in the fire barn for 14 years. For a long time, we had 15, 20 people. But I finally had to decide, God, if that's my lot, if that's my portion, so be it. I'll serve you all the days of my life in the fire barn, and I'll serve you all the days of my life at 15 or 20 people. If that's my portion, so be it. But I've got to do what you've called me to do. You've got to just go on with God, no matter how strong, no matter what the struggle brings. You've got to just go on with God. Now, therefore, this is what Joshua, Joshua spoke to the people of Israel. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, 
whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, he said, we will serve the Lord. I pray it's a decision you've made, and we'll always walk in it. No matter what comes our way, we're going to stay true to God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that no matter what comes, the best thing we could ever do in our lives is to love you, to serve you, and to give our lives to you. Thank you, Lord. I pray that no one here will ever fall away, will ever succumb to the things of the world, the pull of the world. But every one of us in the sound of my voice this morning will finish their course, will run their race, and keep the faith in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. We are normally going to, we are not receiving offerings right now. We have a couple of baskets set up in the back just to keep the baskets from being handled by a lot of people. Uh, so we have baskets in the back. If you have an offering, we'd ask you just to place it in the basket as you, as you leave. And, uh, but before we close this morning, let's stand. And let's worship it with God for a few minutes. And if you need prayer, we invite you to come. We want to pray with you and bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry, and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.